All right, folks, we are live and we are talking the start of the college football season. There were games already played, but guess what? Boston College Rutgers were preparing for the start of the 2022 season here in Chestnut Hill. I got Mitch Wolf with me today. It's an episode you're going to want to listen to. All this and more on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. AJ Black, I am joined as always by Mitch Wolf, who's here on Mondays to talk BC football. Mitch, how's it going? It's going good. It's finally game week. I'm very excited. Uh, finally get back college football. I was able to catch some of the odd week zero games this past Saturday, which was fun. It's always good to have football back in our lives. Yeah, I, I caught um, Scott Frost pooping himself and uh, some some. Other uh, wildly uncontestable games. I saw uh, UNC and uh, their defense look terrible again. And um, Vanderbilt absolutely smoked Hawaii. And then, uh, but hey, you know what? College football is back. And we're going to get to that in our second segment. But the first segment we're going to talk about, it's it's the start of football season here, folks. We are here to talk about Boston College and Rutgers. And this is no like cakewalk game that BC starts like Col- starts the season off with like Colgate or some of these other teams that they, you know, played at the beginning of the year, Mitch, what are you feeling at the start of the season off? Um, I would say a little anxious, you know, th- there's this team has, I think a few more questions than it has, at least in, well, maybe since 2020, 2020, there are a lot of questions just regarding the team, not even the world around us, but the 21 season, you kind of felt, like you had have had a good handle on it and then the injuries kind of derailed everything. But this year, you know, there are a lot of questions, you know, can the defense be better, especially against the run? How's the offensive line going to hold up? Can the offensive playmakers stay healthy? So and obviously new offensive coordinator. So I would say anxious about that part of the team for sure. Yeah, me too. I mean, you know what? Like I, I'm excited that, that this season starts off with a, uh, legitimate opponent. And, and, you know, like, haha, it's Rutgers, whatever. But, you know, you get a team that made a bowl game last year. And I know it was like kind of like a, a half bowl game, but they made it there. They're a team that you battle on the recruiting trail. They're a team with a good coach. Greg Schiano is, is probably the best fit you could find in Rutgers. He also has quite a connection with Jeff Halfley. There's reasons to I I really think that this is like the one of the better matchups that BC started the season off with. Yeah, I mean there aren't many better opportunities against a power five opponent that you're like, oh yeah, I still feel pretty good about winning this game, but it is a game that's you know still going to matter. And if it's a dominant win like we expect it to be, then that's going to look good on the schedule. It it's a set. I, last I checked on Bet Online, it was a seven and a half point spread. What I mean, when I look at this team, when I look at Rutgers, what are some of the bigger issues that I see is their quarterback issue? And I, a couple of weeks ago, when I talked about this pod, uh, this game, I had mentioned Gavin Wimsat as a starter, and I got shot down immediately by Rutgers fans as saying no of a draw. I honestly feel like this actually puts BC in a better spot than if Wimsat played. I know Wim and he's raw, but he seems like he has a much higher upside. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I, I think, I think by the season's end, Wimsat is going to be the starter. Uh, but Vidral is just frankly not a good quarterback. You know, I watched a few of their games, and it's just, he's just not good. Like he has a lot of turnovers. He's a, a kind of a decent runner, but not anywhere near like Malik Cunningham or mobile quarterbacks that have killed BC in the past. Um, but he's just, it's just bad. He just, you know, he makes a lot of bad decisions. He's not going to threaten the ball deep. Uh, he's not particularly accurate. Um, he panics under pressure. So, you know, if, if as long as BC kind of shows up and, you know, plays the way they're supposed to, like this shouldn't be really a problem for peace for the Eagles. And I don't want to, again, I think a lot of BC fans remember the big, some BC fans at least, remember the Big East days when Rutgers, and it doesn't even mean the Big East days. Even when they were in the Big Ten, Rutgers has been kind of a joke. But done some nice things. I think he's done a nice job getting them uh, back in business in the in the transfer portal, getting some recruiting done, getting them back in, in the New Jersey scene where, you know, before that, they, they were not a factor at all when it came to recruiting in New Jersey. And I think there's some aspects of Rutgers that should be better than what you might expect. What are you thinking about some, some parts of their game that, you know, people should keep an eye on? I think their secondary is really good. They return all their starters except for their slot corner, who was probably the worst player in that on that part of the team. So, you know, you've got two really good corners and Max Melton, Kassan Abraham, uh, or, uh, Avery Young has been there a long time. And I think he's played basically every position on the back end. So he's a really good player. Um, you know, and BC is obviously going to want to throw the ball against this team. And that's where Rutgers is going to be strongest. So uh, up front, they have some decent defensive linemen, but their linebacking core is really depleted. They lost um, they're five. They're like, they're five. The guys with the five most snaps on their defensive linebacker, they're all gone, whether it's the NFL or just kind of a, aged out. They only have two guys who have playing experience returning on defense. So, you know, if they can attack a second level, that's where BC should be able to have a lot of success, but their secondary is quite good. Uh, their running back, their receiver room is pretty decent. I'll give them that. Um, they bring back uh, Shameen Jones, Aaron Krukchenk, who's a really dynamic returner as well. They also got Taj Harris to transfer from Syracuse, and they got Sean Ryan, who's a big ex-receiver type from West Virginia. So they have guys there, but again, I have a lot of questions about Vidral and the offensive line, just being able to you know, keep the offense on schedule and, get, and allow the quarterback to get the ball into playmaker's hands. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you can have as many and Tosh Harris. He smoked BC a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and had quite a game. But if you don't have a quarterback to get him the ball, I mean, yeah. how, how efficient can a quarterback be? Yeah, exactly. Um, And it's, it's so funny to think about where Rutgers is right now, because this is a program that gets more <laughs> and a couple of years are going to be making more money per year than Clemson's going to make. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, but, I think I think Rutgers is probably like two or three seasons away. I think like by the time Wimsat is like firmly the starter and probably graduates, like they're not. I don't think they're going to be like a threat to win the Big Ten East or anything. But I think you'll see them, you know, being a lot closer to you know the six seven win range as opposed to the last few years when they've been closer to the between one and three wins. Yeah, exactly. Like coming from someone who covers their and 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 seeing what they do in New Jersey. They've done some really nice things out there, but again, that's a couple years away. Like they're gonna get those guys and develop. So the Rutgers talk. This is gonna go on all week, folks. We're gonna talk. We're gonna have. Uh, we'll be talking to someone who covers Rutgers. 
We will get previews of the game. We're going to have wall-to-wall coverage. So if you're getting excited to go to Boston College and see this game live or watch it on TV, whatever way you're, you're, you're watching this game, make sure you're subscribed to Locked on BC. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube right now. Um, we have a comment if you want to say hey down there or have something you want to say. We're doing this live right now. I see some of you guys popping in and out. We'll, we'll uh, address some comments as we go along here. It's a new way we're going to do things to kind of keep things uh, really fresh here at Locked on BC. Now, in a moment, speaking of being excited about the next uh, football season, Mitch and I are going to discuss what words we would use to describe the upcoming season and, and our feelings towards Boston College football heading into next year. You're going to want to hear our thoughts on that in just a moment. All right, folks. You're out for a few drinks. If you become a few, a few more come even more. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? Eh, it's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction time slow way down high. You're not only putting yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you're using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheels. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high and get a DUI. All right. AJ Black here. We're talking Boston College and Rutgers. We're talking about this upcoming season. And uh, I can't can't get over that last read. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, we're talking about how excited we are about this upcoming season. And I, I had a challenge for Mitch. Each of us are going to come up with three different adjectives to describe how we feel about the upcoming season. If you didn't come up with an adjective, Mitch, word will do because I'm not going to be a vocabulary uh, stickler here. We'll do one at a time and we'll bounce off. So, Mitch, you can one word you're going to use to describe this upcoming year. Um, I think you probably might have this one as well, but I'm going to go with hopeful um, because I think, you know, I think we've been saying this for the last few years, but I, I'm hopeful that this is the year that BC finally gets through that six win barrier. Um, I'm kind of thinking they'll end the season like eight and five with that eighth win coming in the bowl. Uh, so seven and five, you know, I think that, you know, I think that's being conservative given the schedule and how it's kind of breaking out as we get closer and closer to the season. But I'm hopeful that they can, you know, finally get past 500 at the, in the win record. Yeah. And I, I, it's funny that you brought that up. My other one was optimistic. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, this is the third year of Jeff Halfley and many folks, and I totally get it are like, Oh, you know, one year we had six wins, but you know, you look at the schedule it was tough last year. Oh, they only had six wins again. And then it's like, Oh yeah, well, Jakovic was hurt. I mean, that's a big deal. I feel optimistic that this year they're healthy enough that they have all their guys out there that they can do what they of doing. And on top of top of that, they are deep. They have a deep enough roster that they can absorb some of these injuries. And we're going to get into our final segment, a specific injury that I felt uh, really impacted, but optimistic is my word. Now, if you're listening to this podcast right now, I see a, we're, we have more listeners than I've had in a long time. Hit that subscribe button to Locked On BC if you like what you're hearing now. All right, Mitch, number two, go for it. Um, I, I this one is it's kind of the opposite side of the coin. I would say worried, and I'm worried about uh, injuries again. And you know that that was something that really bit BC last year at key positions. Um, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, Jerkovic. Uh, 
missed most of the year. You know, Brady had Brandon Sebastian go down for periods. Did Trey Barry go down for periods? Isaiah Graham Mobley missed a lot of the season. Um, so just kind of worried about, you know, and it, it, it isn't really like I'm blaming anybody. It's just that's how football works. There are injuries and they can impact your team in a variety of ways. Um, but I'm just worried that, you know, somebody's going to get hurt and then, and like, like you were saying about half, like you don't want to keep using these injury excuses, but so that's why I'm just worried that somebody's going to get hurt and just be like, Oh, here we go again. Another six and six year where at least there's a reason, but you're kind of just like, all right, like I just want to have like a, a normal season, if you will, just want to turn the injury slider off like you do in NCAA or Madden. All right. So I'm going to go down the honk road again and continue. I said, optimistic. I'm going to go excited. I know that's kind of like a, a cop-out answer, but to see the, the the character of this team that I feel like you have guys on this roster that have bought in to what Jeff Halfley's selling the, the, the program that he's putting together here at Boston college, that you have guys that really have a lot that they want to put in guys like Phil Dracovic, Chibuzi and Wuka, Zay flowers, you name the, the, who decided to stay an extra year and try to get something out of that. I cannot wait to see what they do. And I feel like there's something special about this group that we're going to find out as we kind of go along the season. There's something special about, you know, these guys, this offense, the defense. I'm really excited. I think that's a word I'm going to use and I'll go back to you for your fun. So as I am, you know, a, young or young millennial slash older Gen Z person. I'm kind of thinking of this in terms of gifts. Um, and the two that I'm thinking of, and it's a combination of the two. The first is the scene from Django Unchained where Leonardo DiCaprio's character says, gentlemen, you have my, you had my curiosity. Now you have my attention. And the other one I think is from Caddyshack where it's the old guy who goes, well, we're waiting. And that's <laughs> kind of how I feel about both of the coordinators on this team. And kind of the yeah. first one being Tim Lukabu. And I think, like I said in episodes before, I think this is the year he kind of really unleashes this defense and you're going to see a lot more exotic stuff and kind of as, as opposed to see it kind of just be vanilla and like just kind of try to get by. I think this year you're going to see the defense be on the, the ironically, the defense go on the offensive a little more, try to dictate to the offense what they want them to do. And then with the offense, when you're like, this is, you know, you have a guy coming in who has connections to Halfley, but he's, you know, from a very different system, essentially. Um, and again, like I've talked a lot about how I, I want him to open up the quick passing game a little more, you know, again, I'm not, I don't say this in a bad way, but, you know, lean into the gimmicks that work in college a little more. Like there are elements of a college offense that, you know, you call that derisively when you're like evaluating prospects because they only work in college. It's like, yeah, so use those things that work in college, like lean more on those RPOs, lean more on screens. Like, and that's kind of how you protect against injuries, at least for Phil is, don't don't have him like standing back there for so long, you know, trying to play hero ball. Like let Zay and Jalen and Pat Garwell, like make them do the work. Yeah, absolutely. And my final word is kind of a little bit opposite of the other two. So my first two I picked were very optimistic and excited. I'm going to say nervous. And that's just my natural gut instinct watching college football and, and, and really, you know, being part of a program and watching what they do, but I'm always nervous. And, it kind of links into what Mitch said earlier where you're worried about injuries and things like that. But I, I just get nervous to see like, okay, so I've made all these predictions. I've made all these things. Like, am I right? <laughs> like, am I, am I on the ball here? And just like 
it's just a natural thing. I think it goes back to when I was a fan, when I was in the stands as a super fan or a season ticket holder, like, man, when it was the first week before the start of the season, I said this a couple of weeks ago, I would sit there, you know, the game would be at noon. We'd be tailgating at nine. I would be up at four in the morning and my wife would be like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) Go back to bed. I'm like, I'm just, I just can't. I'm so excited. And even as a journalist, I still get that feeling. And it's not even just about BC football. It's just football in general. I just get so excited about this time of year. Like, just turning on a game and just, you know, losing yourself for a little bit, watching it, it, it gets me, it gets me excited, but for BC, it gets me nervous too. And I, I, I think about all the questions that we have, all the things that are going on that are going on with BC football, that like the offensive line, the, the lack of pass rush that gets me nervous too, but mine is more of like an excited nervous. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. Yeah. I think it's, right. it's, it's interesting with that. Um, I mean, it kind of reminds you of like when you're a kid, like the night before the night before Christmas Day, and you kind of can't sleep because you're so right. excited. Because like you, part of you is like not sure if Santa actually came, and then you're also just oh, I wonder what's actually going to be down there. Um, but yeah, so I totally get where you're, where you're coming from with that. Yeah, it's it's been something I've battled since I was a college student, and I mm-hmm. I, I am way past a college student now, but I still have it. All right, in our final segment, let's come down a little bit, and we'll talk about an injury that ended a potential starter for Boston College in just a moment. Locked on Boston College, AJ Black here. So thank you for making us your team every day. We are the only Boston College podcast that does this five days a week. There's other great podcasts out there. For, I, I want to shout out Fourth and Dude. They do a great job um, doing what they do. Um, and there's other ones out there that talk about BC sports. We're the only ones that do it five days a week. So we're a little different. But we're talking about you know some of the things that go along with BC football. And the big news that came out of Friday was bad. And I don't know how bad it is. I, I feel for the kid is that tight end Joey Lucchetti, his career's over. Uh, he had a shoulder injury that has been nagging him for years. He missed time. He missed all of 2020 because of it. He missed part of 2021 be- or, or battled through it. And then it was hitting him again. And he called it a career. Mitch, what does Joey Lucchetti's loss mean? And kind of, you know, what, what does this mean for the program? I think Joey Lucchetti's loss, I think it's going to be more kind of felt off field because the way I kind of think, and it's funny, the picture you have of him on the screen is from 2019 when he played deep, he played defensive end because they were yep. so thin at the position. And that I think Joey Lucchetti kind of just brings that, you know, lunch pail guy attitude of the guy who will do anything to help the team. And like you said, battled through injuries throughout most of his career. And this year he just couldn't, you know, get it across the line. I think that that's something that you're going to, that he's really going to hurt in the locker room. Like, I mean, he might still be around the team, but not having him suited up, you know, he seems like a guy that kind of leads by his example, you know, a man, a few words, but just goes out there, does his work, works really hard and doesn't say much. And the other guys kind of fall in line behind him in terms of on field. You know, I think this is, it's interesting because I think now you're really going to see George Takis kind of, take hold of that tight end one spot and he's just going to be the guy. Um, And I mean, Lucetti really wasn't much of a receiving threat. Like he never caught more than two passes in a game uh, was very rarely targeted more than I think three or four times. You know, I think his biggest play came on uh, against Clemson when he had kind of that big Y cross wheel route uh, to get them down into the low red zone. Um, but and then again, that block, like being such a good blocker as he was, you know, that's something that doesn't really show up on the stat sheet, but I think the team 
would miss it. But I think it's interesting because you also now you, you know, George Takis is the de facto tight end one. He'll probably play the Y tight end. And now you get to see a look at some of the other guys on the depth chart, like, you know, Spencer Witter is coming back. You know, can he kind of take his game to the next level? Um, uh, Charlie Gordinier is another name that, you know, he's a good receiving option. You've mentioned Jeremiah Franklin is kind of a very interesting young player. We'll see how much he gets on the field. Um, or does BC just really shift more into using 11 personnel? Like, do they kind of scrap the uh, 12 or 13 personnel package? Do they not use those as much? You know, are we going to see more of Jaden Williams and Tashi Johnson and guys like that? So I, you know, it's obviously sad to lose a player like that again for reasons that go beyond the field, but it's a, it's a moment of adversity that, you know, it'll, it's, it'll be interesting to see how the team reacts and what change they make in response to it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want to just discuss a little bit Lucchetti, like you mentioned, like, like a big time locker room presence and, you know, he ended up getting his BC degree and all that good stuff. And I just want to like that, you know, wish him the best luck. You know, he's a kid that came from a school you know, he played under Paul Sukakis, who was a BC, you know, all American offensive lineman um, and, you know, played with AJ Dillon and all that good stuff when he was at Lawrence Academy. Um, it's interesting. You brought up the going to one, one or, you know, having one tight end. I, my question for you, Mitch, are you worried? Wouldn't you, would you prefer to have more two, two tight end sets given that the concerns about tight, uh, the, the play of the, the offensive line or do you think that they, they're going to be okay? I think it'll ultimately be fine. I think there's, there's kind of two approaches to it. And I have talked a lot about like kind of using the tight ends as blockers, but the other option is, is that, you know, kind of the other thing I've talked about is if you have more wide receivers on the field, you know, you may have more opportunities to get the ball out quickly to players in space and let them make plays that way. So that might just be how they reorient the offense, you know, instead of, keeping in a tight end to block and, you know, keeping these tight condensed split where they can use tight ends to chip everything, you know, maybe just get the players out in the pattern, you know, give Phil more options to get the ball out of his hands quickly. So you kind of mitigate the issue, the hypothetical issues with the offensive line that way. Um, and, you know, at, at the end of the day, like if the offensive line really is struggling and they need to keep George Takis in the block, it's not like he has been, it's not like you're sacrificing a great receiver. Like he, again, it's not necessarily his fault. He wasn't the main guy at Notre Dame because they have Michael Mayer, who's arguably the best tight end in the country, but you know, he doesn't have many receptions either. It's not like he's a dynamic receiving presence like Hunter Long or even Trey Berry was supposed to be. So, you know, I think that if, you know, having Takis out there is fine, you know, I know Witter, Witter is kind of the same way. Like he is primarily a blocker, very much, very infrequently used as a receiver. So, Again, I don't, I don't think the on-field, you know, specifics are going to be greatly impacted by Luchetti's absence. Again, I think he's more of a, it's more of a mental and character, um, kind of loss for the team. And just as a, a reminder, some folks have been pinging me, being like, "Yo, how did you not know about this if you've been at practice?" Like, again, I, I brought this up a few times. Just want to continue to reiterate it. We get like twenty-five minutes of practice to watch, and much of it, like the first like ten minutes of it is them stretching as like 95 people. So like, I don't get a chance to watch a lot and I've been trying to watch things like the offensive line, which most people have been asking about. I, I thought the tight end set position was pretty much set. So I've only kind of glanced and Joey Lucchetti kind of blends in. So BC has been really good about kind of sneaking through injuries that you just miss. Like last year it was Chibuzi and Wuka. I don't think anyone knew about it until the game. Mary too. 
Well, I don't know. Yeah, Bumeri too. Yeah, both of those guys were complete surprises. None of the beat guys knew about these, and that's just kind of the way that BC kind of not hides it, but they're protective about it. And Halfley will release that information at the times that he feels appropriate. So Lucchetti's news was a bit of a surprise to all of us. Like I did not know. And so just, 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 that's kind of how things work with this, with this organ, with this program. So just a, just a little heads up. So Mitch, um, I, I'm going to have probably someone else doing predictions at the end of the week, but I want to get your prediction before you head out. What are you thinking for the end of, for the BC Rutgers game? I think BC wins in a commanding fashion. I think you're going to see Emmett Moorhead play the whole fourth quarter because BC is in such a, a has such built such a big lead. Um, I think I, I'm not sure you're going to see a lot of new things again. I think BC is going to keep it, try to keep it at least a decently a bit vanilla on both sides of the ball this early in the season. But I think that at the end of the day, BC just has a lot more talent than this Rutgers team. I'll say final score of let's go 45, 17. Wow. All right, so Mitch has his prediction in. If you want mine, you're going to have to wait till Friday's show to get my prediction. Mitch, where can people find you on social media and uh, fi- follow your work? You can find me at Mitchell T. Wolf, W-O-O-F-E, on Twitter. Uh, I'm also the edit- one of the editors for the 33rd team on the fantasy side of things. And, you know, obviously we're getting down to crunch time with doing fantasy drafts. I know I'm, I have a few drafts coming up this week uh, before the NFL season starts, and we just launched a new fantasy a page where – it also has betting content and daily fantasy stuff. So if you're on the look for, if you're on the lookout for more information about that and how to take money from your friends and take money from sports books, then head over there to the 33rd team.com. All right. Thanks, Mitch. This is AJ black. You can follow me on a Twitter at AJ black underscore BC. I'm the editor and publisher of Eagle insider, part of the two, four, seven sports network. Join up. You can sign up today and get $1 off. Uh, you can sign up for the first month, excuse me for $1. Uh, and get insider information. I post all sorts of good practice notes and uh, some of my uh, opinions and analysis of what I've seen, including a ton on uh, recruits. And I've got some stuff coming up soon that you're not going to want to miss. So make sure you sign up on Eagle Insider, join our boards, become one of our members. You'll certainly enjoy it. We'll be back tomorrow to continue our discussion about Rutgers. It's an episode you're not going to want to miss. Thank you. We'll see you again soon.